All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Amen. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. That's right. I believe that. Amen. I hope you believe that. Right. Let us pray. Father, we now open thy word. Yes. We're so thankful for it. Amen. We believe every word of it. We esteem every precept of it concerning all things to be right. We hate every false way. Amen. If the false way be in our own heart, in our own life, let the word of God still condemn us, correct us, reprove us, and instruct us in the way of righteousness. Amen. Let us not be defensive, but let us be open, noble like the Bereans, ready to receive the word of God. Right. Teach us now, we ask, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that there be a godly seed in the earth to his honor and glory for as long as he might tarry before he comes. Amen. Amen. I don't want to be long this evening. I don't want to be complicated. I just want to give you what I believe is shown in the Bible, the priority of the content for truly educating or training our children and bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Turn in your Bibles for a first text to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we'll have introduced to us in the life of Paul's most faithful assistant and most faithful fellow minister, the first category of the content of child training. The whole world thinks that if your children get a college degree from a fine university, then you've been a fine parent and done a great job at training and preparing and loving and taking care of and for your children. But we don't find that in the Word of God. The only degree we have in the Word of God is the degree a deacon can obtain in 1 Timothy chapter 3 by doing a great job at what God calls deacons to do. That's the only degree we have mentioned in the Bible like that. But when we come to 2 Timothy chapter 1, we have the first category of content for training your children and it's spiritual. And if it's different than what I taught 13 years ago, it's not completely different, but it's going to be a different emphasis. It's because that's what the Lord has shown me and taught me, that that better be the first thing taught, and that of the highest priority in our children. And I'll show you what I mean by spiritual content in just a moment. But let's look at Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, I see that Paul said of him in verse 3, I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. That is high praise. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. The Apostle Paul could be filled with joy by meeting Timothy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. That faith 
came down three generations from a grandmother to a mother to a son. And if any woman feels left out from this morning, I hope you like 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul said he could be blessed by being with Timothy because of the faith that was in his grandmother and his mother. And do you know where he got that faith from? Was it purely by the sovereign grace of God that chose Timothy before the foundation of the world? Or was it because from a child he had been taught the Holy Scriptures by those two women? 2 Timothy chapter 3, where we I, I quoted just a moment ago. I read in verse 15, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Did the Father do that teaching of the Scriptures? His father was a Greek. His father is ignored by the Apostle Paul. Who did the teaching of the Scriptures? His grandmother and his mother, and he knew the Holy Scriptures, and that had given him that unfeigned faith so that the Apostle Paul loved him, prayed with exceeding great joy and desire to see him. That is a man who had been trained by his grandmother and his mother greatly in the spiritual content of child training. When I say spiritual, I do not mean baptism, church attendance, obedience, diligence, and faith. The last three things I consider just three aspects of Christian character. The Bible doesn't present baptism and church membership and Christian character as the highest aim. Baptism and church membership are things we ought to do, but the highest aim is a spiritual existence with God as the chief aim and the chief love of our soul. And that is what we need to teach our children first. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 4 and see how it's done. Deuteronomy chapter 4. The spiritual content of child training is to teach, to train, to discipline, to educate, to instruct our children to have a holy, personal life in the fear of God and with fellowship with Jesus Christ. The chief goal we have for maintaining that holy, personal life in the fear of God and fellowship with Christ. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, we read these words. Moses, the book of Deuteronomy is great. It's a great, it's a, it's just at the end of Moses' life when he tells the children of Israel what they better do if they want to walk in the fear of the Lord and have the Lord's blessing in their lives and what will happen if they don't do that. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9 I read, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen unless they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. We have a few grandparents in here. Because your children are parents in their own right and out of the house does not relieve you of your responsibility. I hope a woman named Lois already shown you that. But grandfathers... You know about the practice of the Crosbys, and I only want to bring it up because it's a great example. My father wants to come to our house every other Wednesday night, and we pull a special chair out of my office and set in the corner of the den. We call it the throne, so that my father can sit in the throne, and his two sons are there, and their seven sons 
and the son-in-law and the eleven of us, as the Crosby men, he instructs in righteousness and leads us in all in prayer, where we all participate. And it's a great time. And I'm glad to have a father that does that. And I'm glad to have a father that I can tell you about doing that. And I encourage all of us as we get older and as the generations come that we'll all do that. Notice what it said here. He is fulfilling his God-given responsibility in that ninth verse to teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. All the things that God taught at Horeb, which was primarily the Ten Commandments given at Mount Sinai. That's Deuteronomy 4. This is Moses, before he goes the way of all flesh, instructing the people of God, the church in the wilderness. This is a sermon, a long one, a very long one, in which he tells those people what they ought to do. And notice the child training mentioned there in chapter 4. But come over to chapter 6. Come over to chapter 6. Verse 2 I'll read. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Then come down to verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And verse 20. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies, and the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord our God hath commanded you? A father is supposed to be able to answer that. But notice, and I could keep going. I could jump to chapter 11. I can go to chapter 14 in the book of Deuteronomy and see Moses, the man of God, teaching the church in the wilderness the importance of teaching our sons and our sons' sons so that the law of God is perpetuated in the earth. The law of God is how we are to live to please Him who created us and loved us and saved us. First, that's the first priority that we have to teach our children. This morning we read in Psalm 34 that the fear of the Lord can be taught. Remember what the psalmist said in that 11th verse of Psalm 34? Come, my children. Let me teach you the fear of the Lord. That's a father in his house calling the family together, whether it's at mealtime or not at mealtime, or whether it's in the car to go someplace, and he instructs them in the fear of the Lord. And remember, the fear of the Lord is the book of Deuteronomy. How we fear the Lord. How we obey Him. How we please Him. How we do not celebrate Easter. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, isn't that the first place we'd go? If you went out and confronted someone at a sunrise service and said, why do you call yourselves Christians, but you're out here worshiping the rising sun? What would their response be? It would be, we're not worshiping the rising sun. We're worshiping Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose from the dead at this time of day. And you would say, the Lord does not want to have his son worshiped with pagan practices like a sunrise service because of Deuteronomy 12. 
That's teaching the fear of the Lord. We fear the Lord more than the customs and traditions of men. Amen. By the way, when was Jesus? When did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? When? Saturday night at 6 p.m. You say, how do you know that when everybody else thinks it's 6 a.m. on Sunday morning? How do we know that? When the women went to the grave on the first day of the week while it was still dark, did they watch him rise from the dead or was he already gone? He was already gone. What time was he buried? 6 p.m. on Wednesday night in order to get him in the ground before that special Sabbath day began, the Sabbath of the Passover feast. And if he was in the ground three days and three nights, when did he rise? 6 p.m. Oh, it's so simple, isn't it? I do believe in math that three days and three nights is better than one day and two nights. And you, you know what? I, I, I do believe in math. But, you know, first of all, I want my children to know this math. Amen. That three days and three nights does not equal one day and two nights or the other way around. Look at, look at Proverbs chapter 4. The first category of the training of our children Bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is, is perfectly fulfilled in this category. As we start going down the list of categories, we get farther and farther away from the actual nurture and admonition of the Lord. The first thing is to teach Him the law of God and to walk in the fear of God and to keep His commandments. In Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 4, here's David. He taught me also, his, speaking, let's go back to verse 3. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. And we could just keep on reading, couldn't we? Amen. Because the book of Proverbs is such a great book. It's the father David to his son Solomon, and it's the father Solomon to his sons, on the fear of the Lord. Where do we find the expression, the fear of the Lord, in its most dense placement? In the book of Proverbs. Here it is, right here. And it's a father doing the teaching. We looked at this morning in Psalm 78 where we had four generations listed. A father teaching his children who would then teach another generation who would teach that fourth generation. I hope that that was meaningful to you. I hope that provoked your soul at the influence you can have through your children to leave a God-fearing seed in the earth. It's exciting. I had an unmarried member of this assembly speak to me after the service, and I was wondering how they would have re received the message, but they said they were excited about the prospect of having children to teach those things. Amen. That is the attitude. Right. And that's a good attitude. And I love to hear it. Rejoice my heart. Children need to be taught to remember their Creator in the days of their youth. Ecclesiastes 12.1 It's very easy as a child to think they've got forever to get serious about religion. But you know, that's not true in God's Word. Right. He doesn't have an age of accountability. He doesn't let you play until you're 12 and then you're supposed to start reading the Bible and getting serious about religion. In the Bible, you had your little children with you. 
And you can teach some of these things, as one brother already mentioned tonight, when they're five years old. You can teach the Ten Commandments to a very young child. We're to remember our Creator in the days of our youth, the Bible says. Train up a child, in the w train up a child, which means you're starting when he's small and young, and you're training him up by teaching him those things early in his life. Should we teach Ecclesiastes 12:13 that the conclusion of the whole matter is to fear God and keep His commandments? Amen. Is that one of the first verses they ought to hear and learn? Right. The whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep His commandments. And that's the conclusion of a man who tried everything in life. Right. We can teach that to our children, and we should. And it's teaching them the spiritual component of their training. To walk in the fear of the Lord and to know their God. How about Job? I've mentioned him recently because we were studying giving no place to the devil. Job confessed the sins of his sons. When they had a birthday party and all of the, the five sons and the two daughters would get together, he would presume, usually safely so, that in the levity of a party, those sons might have blasphemed God in their heart. And therefore, Job offered sacrifices for every single one of them. And I call upon all the fathers, including myself, to be as sober about the spiritual relationship of our children with God that we would pray for their sins and for God to have mercy upon them. Right. You say, every man has to confess his own sins. I want to tell you something that you've misread your Bible. Every man that's aware of his sins is to confess his sins, 1 John 1, 9. But I want to remind you that all through the Old Testament, there were men that could stand in the place and ask for God to forgive cities, families, and the nation. And God would hear their prayers. How were Job's three friends even released in the end? But Job had to pray for them. Because God would receive the prayer of Job. What, isn't that what God said? I won't, re I won't hear yours but I will Job's, and maybe Job will pray for you. That's how what we ought to do for our children if we are serious about their spiritual condition. Do you know I read in Isaiah, turn to Isaiah 38, where we've got Hezekiah. Remember, Hezekiah was the king where the prophet Isaiah came in and said, you're going to die. He turned his face to the wall and prayed earnestly that he might live longer. And then we have in Isaiah 38, his prayer. And here's how he reasons with the Lord. And I want you to notice one of the purposes for staying alive. Yep. If you're going to exercise a little bit every day, I hope that you do it to the glory of God. Right. And you can do it to the glory of God by saying, I want more energy and to live longer and to be healthier so that... Verse 19, this is the middle of his prayer. And if you want to see a prayer that gets results... You should, you should read Isaiah 38 sometime. Verse 19, The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. That's a reason for living. Right. He's appealing to the Lord. Don't you? You want to know how to reason in prayer? And I know that's another subject, and I want to get to that soon too. But this is how you reason in prayer if you want the Lord to add to your life. Tell them why you want to stay alive and give them a good, noble, godly reason. And that is to teach children the truth. Right here. You kill me, I can't praise you in the grave. That's verse 18. And I won't be able to teach the truth to my children. Do you know what God did? Fifteen years. 
What's the ultimate purpose for man? The glory of God. Amen. The Lord hath created all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. How old should your child be before they know that the reason for their existence is not their own pleasure nor your pleasure, but the glory of God? Proverbs 16.4 and Revelation 4.11 ought to be two of the first verses they learn. Thou hast created all things for thyself and for thy pleasure. They are and were created. You should be able to ask your children when they're young, why were you created? For God's pleasure. They should always know that. That is the foundation of a Christian life. Right. That we, were, we are not our own. We were created by God and for God. And we were redeemed by God and for God. We can teach that to our children. But you know what happens? Most men leave this category to the pulpit. They let the pastor do all this. You know, everyone's concerned about getting the homework done, making sure they go to a good school, making sure they have good interviews for good jobs. But they leave this one to the pastor. But you know what? The Bible doesn't say that. Right. The Bible says fathers bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, not the pastor. Too many times... The men shirk their duties and transfer them to the pastor when God didn't do it. Because, I'll tell you what, how many, this little effort on Sundays, not to a child. Do you think if you, listen, if you take your, your child and have him go in the potty twice a week, once on Sunday morning and once on Sunday evening, how long will you be potty training that child? Till 20. The, me the point's made. This isn't how it's done. Children need repetition and constant reminding in the home where they're living. Adults are old enough to receive from this kind of preaching and take it home and put it into practice with their children during the week. Don't give me that duty. I will teach the men, and I'll teach them while they're here, and I'll try to be plain. But the burden of training our children is fathers, not pastors. That's the Word of God. If we try to circumvent that, we're going to get in trouble. Now, how's the world done it? They've come up with Sunday school. And they put women as their teachers. It's unbelievable. And they do it in the name of Jesus Christ, Christianity. It's another Jesus. It's another gospel. And it's not ours. We want our children. What's the glory of a, ch of a child's life if, it's done, if a home is run properly? His father. Right. It shouldn't be the pastor. It should be the father. Amen. Those children should esteem and reverence their father and respect those, that father and think that that father has all the answers, even though we as fathers don't listen, kids. We don't have all the answers. Right. But we have God's word, Amen. and believe me, he can make fathers smart enough to handle all their questions. That's right. And that's, how, that's the way it ought to work. If we consider the ideal matter for this category, we are talking about a very spiritual environment in our homes. That's what I meant this morning when I said, I don't know if we can even visualize a truly godly home that is very spiritual in its orientation. I agree. That's all I'm going to say on that, except I'm going to do this. I'm passing out an outline tonight. I'm going to have several more next week that are almost complete. I want to, I'm want i just going to read to you. It's from a two-page outline. You'll have it tonight. Entitled, Godly Training for Girls. 
And here's the first category, just like I'm teaching you, is spiritual content. I'm just going to read down it. It's got the verses. Here's the spiritual content of what ought to be taught girls. Fearing the Lord is the whole duty of man. Scripture is the absolute authority. Loving God supremely is the first law. Delighting in the Lord himself. Repenting, believing the gospel, being baptized and joining a church. Assurance and confidence of eternal life. Fellowship with Jesus Christ. Living by faith, not feelings or circumstances. Walking in the Spirit for spiritual fruit. Mortifying the flesh and its lusts. Prayer knowledge and habits. Spiritual armor and the conflict with Satan. You say that's everything the New Testament teaches for Christians. <laughs> you're good. Amen. And I'm glad that you're able to draw conclusions like that. That's it. And you say, that's overwhelming. How could I teach all that? Easy. If you were to take this list of 12 with the two references that are behind each one, one of them could be taught each night and it'd take you two weeks. Yep. You say, but they, wouldn't re they might not remember it. Then do it again the next two weeks. Right. And you'll do just fine. Right. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's Don't get... And brother, I, kn I know what you meant tonight. Look, I get as overwhelmed as anyone. I've got two more than you. And you know what I mean. Um, his yoke is easy. And his burden is light Amen. as long as we'll get to it. Right. But if we're looking, if you stand back and look at the yoke of Christ and the burden that you're supposed to be pulling, you can get overwhelmed. Do you know how you get over that? Get it on and do the, and take the first step. And all of a right. sudden you'll say, wow, the sod turned back there and keep walking. But if you look at it, isn't that the way with all jobs? Right. When you're laying in bed and you're thinking about getting up to go to work, isn't that the hardest moment of the whole day? If you, if you would get out without thinking, if you would get out without thinking and throw water in your face, doesn't it get easier from there? Yeah. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You look at a list like that and you say, oh, I can't do it. Well, that's because you're looking at it. Do the first one. Two verses. Amen. That's what I mean by spiritual content. If you heard that list... That would make for a spiritual environment in our home Amen. and for some spiritual daughters that when men saw them, the first thing they would recognize about them, and Brother Matthew, I sent it to you many years ago, and I've thrown away the book that it came from, but when Jonathan Edwards met Sarah Pierpont when she was 13 years old, Jonathan Edwards, one of the most learned men ever in the history of this country, met his wife when he was 20. He was already a teacher at Yale when he was 20 years old. He met his wife when she was 13 years old, and his description of her in his journals is about he met a young lady in New Haven who has a relationship with the great being that excels any relationship that she has on earth. And she is often seen going about with a song of praise on her lips to him, and the spirit of her face and the spirit of her carriage is such that you know that she has a relationship with God that is second to none. That's basically it. And he married her. And she's one of the great women in American history. If you were to look up the descendants of the Jonathan Edwards and Sarah Pierpont combination, it would stagger you. It's been used by pagans alike as the greatest progeny of successful, noble progeny in the history of America. Thirteen. Thirteen years old. Now, forget her. It's not in the Bible. But I wanted to show, I wanted to tell you that. But there's women like that in the Bible. Right. Mm -hmm. 
That's what we ought to be aiming for, though. We would like to have 13-year-old daughters that when men looked at them and saw them, the first thing is they have a relationship with Jesus Christ that is greater than any relationship they have on earth. And for all of you men that aren't married yet, to the happiest man with the most fulfilling life is married to a woman like that. She doesn't have to be perfect physically, and she doesn't have to be perfect mentally, and she doesn't have to be perfect with a per perfect personality. But if she has that, she'll make you exceedingly happy. Right. And the two of you together can worship God in a way that you couldn't with the perfect body, perfect personality, and the perfect mind who just had a carnal Christian attitude towards serving God. And I mean that. The Bible teaches that. The great women are going to be the ones that serve the Lord first because he's going to bless them, and they're going to have the sweetest character of all. Did you hear the list for for girls? Training training girls. First category is spiritual. I just read you the list. we got to move on. The second category, the first one, is for maintaining a holy, personal life in the fear of God and fellowship with Christ. How much have you, me, you, me, you and me done with our daughters and our sons to teach them a holy life and walking with God and fellowship with Jesus Christ? Right. It is so easy to get distracted by categories farther down this list, even noble categories, when the first one should be their spiritual life. Yeah. And say, listen, Satan will give you 20 things to teach them before he'll let you teach them the spiritual component of child training. Right. I come to Christian character. Is Christian character important? Very important. Does it come first? It does not come first. A person first knows God. And if he knows God, and he's walking with Jesus Christ, and he's walking in the Spirit, he'll bear Christian character. Right. You try to teach Christian character to a person in the flesh, what do we want to say about you? You're pushing on a rope? You're, uh, let's see, the Bible expression would be, you're beating wheat in a mortar with a pestle, and you'll never drive his foolishness from him. Right. It's impossible. First of all, they've got to have a relationship with God. And look at Job's earnestness about it. Are we praying for that, begging God that our children will love the Lord Jesus Christ and be holy in soul and spirit and body? And then training them to be that. Then going to Christian character. What do I mean by Christian character? That means to teach our children to reject self-love. Right. I'm not going to mention the scriptures. You should know them all. Pride, foolish talking, covetousness, lasciviousness, anger, and selfishness. Is it easy to teach children about selfishness because they have their little brothers and sisters? It comes up about 70 times a day. Amen. And you can teach your children about selfishness. How about brotherly kindness? Does that ever come up? Anybody, any children ever criticize each other in your home? I, I'd ask my children, I say, why the Lord use the expression brotherly kindness? The way you brothers treat each other, kindness is something that's extinct. But you know what? The Lord said brotherly kindness. Not all the time. I, it's hard being a pastor with children. It's hard being a pastor with a wife. I see Paul's blessing. But then he wouldn't have had any experience, would he? 
you know that when I talk to you about training children, I have a bigger responsibility to fulfill than anyone here. And I'm very serious about this. I'm very serious about this at a very high level of intensity, which hasn't been there, even though I've always known it and believed it. We're to reject all those things. We're to teach our children to reject them. But we're to promote graciousness, Amen. virtue, yes. diligence, sobriety, faithfulness, charity, kindness, joy. Those aspects of Christian character that the Lord teaches us in the Bible. Are those readily apparent in the Bible? Amen. Definitely. Is the list long? Yes. Are they simple concepts? Yes. If you took one a day, just one a day, and read one or two verses, explain it to your children, you're turning the side. But if you sit back and you look at the long list of 40, part, 40 points of Christian character, you won't pick up the paper. Just get in and do the first one. And do the second one tomorrow. And they can be taught. And you say, but it's not much. I'm not good. I'm not eloquent. I'm not forceful. I'm not charismatic. They might ask me something that I can't handle. Then get down on your knees before you do it and say, Lord, sanctify it because I'm going to obey your word and multiply my five loaves and two fishes to feed my children. And I want to tell you what he'll do. You'll have some great children that yeah. you'll leave in this earth. Right. Nowhere in the Bible does it say strong fathers bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Right. Do you know what? Every father was made able to do it. Right. You say, but I'm not as able as others. Well, then God is able and he'll make you more able than others. Do it in consistency and faithfulness. Be more consistent, more faithful than any other father. And he'll make up the difference in ability. Amen. The Lord knows what he gave every man. Don't ever use that as an excuse. Do you know what that sounds like? It sounds like the man in Proverbs that says there's a lion in the streets. Right. None of us have to be afraid of that lion. Right. We have a lion. Yep. The lion of the tribe of Judah. And brethren, can we do it? Right. We can do it. The roles from God for our boy and girl children should be emphasized to them daily. If you've got sons, they should be told they're going to be fathers and men someday and how they're to take care of their wives and train their children and be men out there in the world and stand for things and not be afraid of anyone. Amen. And love the Lord their God and be a leader. And if we've got girl children, then they're to be taught from an early age that their purpose in life and the reason for which they were created was... To serve a husband. Amen. And if you did that every day, she wouldn't know that there was any other option. That's right. She wouldn't even think about it. Did you know how God gave them to you? With a blank slate. Yep. And if you'll fill it with the word of God, they'll just grow up thinking that they're supposed to be submissive, reverencing their husbands, loving him, serving him, and loving the hound out of them. And they'll never question it Amen. if we did that. But now you got to be careful about where you send them because... Uh, that processing plant down the street called the local school, whether it's Christian, private, public, or home, is not always geared directly to what this teaches. Right. Sorry to say. So we can't shirk our responsibilities. They need to be taught that every day of their lives and taught that not only is it their duty, it's exciting, and they'll be happy if they'll do it. Amen. You know that Solomon... Did Solomon know anything about women? Yes. Did he know it from the Lord? Yes. Did he know it by experience? Yes. yes. In Proverbs eleven sixteen, he said, A gracious woman retaineth honor. So short. What do you do with that with your daughters? A gracious woman retaineth honor. 
Gracious. You better explain what it means to be gracious. Then retaineth honor. What does that mean? A woman that is gracious will always be loved, respected, and esteemed. That's retaining honor. That's a lesson right there. That little tiny phrase. That's, that's what the Lord gives us. And he wants us to use it and give it its sense. A gracious woman retaineth honor. But then you can go a few chapters over to Proverbs chapter 30, and he says, For three things the earth is disquieted, and for four it cannot bear them. Amen. And one of them is an odious woman when she is married. Yep. So you can teach odious woman versus gracious woman, and teach your children the difference. And There's an outline available on that. If you want to see some long lists, I think the women have looked at that and seen the difference between gracious conduct and odious conduct. The Bible tells us that there's a lesson. Our girls ought to know that. That's Christian character. Every girl, woman in here ought to crave, be craving from her soul to be the gracious woman and to hate that odious woman and everything in her that tends toward the odious woman. Amen. How exciting that the Lord told you that. Amen. It's not taught very many places. And I'm no genius. All I know is how to read. But it's there in the Bible. And it's exciting. Because if once you meet a gracious woman, and then you meet an odious woman, ever known the difference? Amen. It's huge. Do you know what odious means? Engendering hate. An odious woman is when you meet her, you hate her. A gracious woman, do you know what people say about a gracious woman? She is so lovely. The very opposite. She is such a lovely person. She is such a lovely woman. That's being gracious. A gracious woman earns those compliments. It's part of her character. Are your daughters ready to be submissive, obedient, reverent, meek, and quiet wives? They will be if we teach them and train them. They won't be reading the newspaper, reading 17, Time Magazine, Newsweek, watching movies, television, listening to popular music, going to school. They won't be. You're going to have to do some work to teach them those things, to reverence their husbands. You say, is reverence really in the Bible? You know it is. You know it is. It should be taught. Meek and quiet? You mean I have to be quiet? That's what God said. And we're supposed to bring you up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and the Lord said quiet. Re reading a chapter of Proverbs a day is one of the simplest and wisest things you can do to teach Christian character. Right. Is there one book in the Bible that God dedicated to Christian character? It's the book of Proverbs. Yep. Did he know there'd be 31 chapters in it? Yep. Did he know that our months would have at the most 31 days? Yes, yes. <laughs> both to, bo to both questions, it's a perfect fit. You can sit down with your children and read them through it. Pick one of them. Just pick one and explain it to them. A proverb is a dark saying. You'll look like a genius. You say, my kids are smarter than I am. Well, then they'll look like a genius. Tell them to... Be quiet. Remember, you're supposed to be meek and quiet. Listen to me open up one. The Lord will show it to you. Right. If you'll prepare yourself, he will. The Lord will honor his fathers yes. that are doing their duty. Yes. But that's, that is such a simple way to do it, to teach Christian character, is to go to the book of Proverbs. Now, you wouldn't go to the book of Proverbs to teach category number one. There's very little in Proverbs about category number one. So Proverbs isn't enough. Proverbs isn't first. Proverbs comes next. After you establish that holy, 
life in body and soul for those young people to walk in fellowship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Every event in life should be resolved from the Bible. This is how you teach Christian character in the home. Notice in Deuteronomy it said, when? When do devotions take place? When you get up, when you travel, when you lay down, and when you're sitting around in your house, call them together. You know what? We, we all get together, don't we? And Satan's evangelist comes on. It's called the television. That's what we've done too much of. But we ought to call the family together and open up something exciting in the Word of... Do you know what the Lord doesn't care? If you were to read the story of David and Goliath once a month. Right. Because once a month they'd be reminded that David looked and saw all those timid men of Israel and said, is there not a cause? Amen. And put his trust in the Lord and wouldn't let that uncircumcised Philistine blaspheme the God of Israel. And he went and did something about it. And he gave God all the glory. And if they heard that once a month, I'll tell you, they'd be a whole lot better than watching Shazam or Underdog or the, the Bugs Bunny and the Road Runner and all the other stuff that's on television. Right. You say, well, that's innocent enough, isn't it? Let's say it is innocent. Let's lie to ourselves. It's innocent. But it takes us away from teaching them the Word of God. Amen. It can be... It can, if you have cultivated an appetite in your children for cartoons, reading them the Word of God will be very onerous. For all those of you with young children, if they never see a cartoon, they won't know that they exist. And they'll think the most exciting time in the world is when Daddy comes home and sits down and opens the Word of God and tells them a Bible story right. and reads it to them and explains that God wrote it for them. It's true. They'll be in awe. Right. They won't. Are we going to do it? Yeah. Every event. Do you read the newspaper? We had an event yesterday morning at 5.15 in Miami, Florida. Every, every event, the Word of God applies. Our nation defended a father. Think every other thing you want to about it. Don't, I don't care. Our nation defended a father and right. gave him his son back against the majority of this country right. and against all those little women down there who thought they had some right to him, and I loved it. And I loved the display of force, and I loved the speed and the way in which they paid for that father to have that boy back in his arms, even if he wanted to take him back to Cuba. Do you know where God wants that little boy? In Cuba, absolutely, without a doubt. Because that's where God put the father and gave him a son. Right. So simple. So simple. Not a question about it. It's in the word of God. Children are the fathers. Even if the mother was alive and she had stolen the little boy and taken him to Miami, if the father wanted him back in Cuba, we should have done the same thing. We have a brother right there that needs that kind of deliverance. Amen. But that's every day. Don't things happen every day? And then there are situations that arise in your household or with the neighbors. This is true. So I believe in social studies too. This is the kind of social studies I believe in. Amen. I study what's going on socially and apply the Word of God to resolve it all. That's right. Amen. I remember the Lord being so merciful in helping Rachel with a job at Sir Speedy Printers on Haywood Road. And she'd come home every day with women in there that had been married two, three, four times, dating their fourth guy, and he's an ex-convict. And I, I, these are, I'm serious, I didn't exaggerate. Twelve years old. 
And she'd tell us, and she'd been taught properly, and we'd just take that event, and that was social studies right there at the table, with a 10-year-old David and an 8-year-old Nathan and a 6-year-old Philip and a 2-year-old Daniel. And we'd be talking away about what she was running into at Sir Speedy, because that's the real world, that's real social studies, but we apply the Word of God. Right. Amen. You can, we can all do that. We need to do that every day so that when we leave and when those children go on their own, they automatically think, what is, where does, how does the Word of God apply? And remember what I, what I showed you from Hebrews chapter 5? Paul said, When for the time ye ought to be teachers, you have one, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles. And the reason is because they hadn't exercised it and used it. They hadn't used it so that they could discern good and evil. Sheer memorization and sheer reading does not get it done. Right. It's meditating upon it and applying it. That's using it. And you know, when you use it that way, it sticks ten times longer than rote memory. I've done more card writing and straight Bible memorization than probably... I've done a lot of it. I'm not trying to... I've done a lot of it. But do you know what the ones that stick? The ones that you've used. All right. Yep. Let me read some things off. Godly training for girls for this character section. Her role from creation. Should a girl know that? Yeah. This is character. This isn't category one. This comes second. Her role from creation. Her role from the fall. Her role from the law of God. Do you know the law of God? If you look at all the commandments that deal with a woman, from virginity to her vows, that a husband or a father can disannul, if you look at them all, it'll put a woman in her proper place. If you look at all the law of God and see the great women of the Old Testament and how much they wanted to give children to their husbands, you will send into this world women that are craving to give birth for their husbands instead of the nation that we have. That doesn't mean that a husband and a wife might not want a couple of years when they first get married to enjoy each other. But I'll tell you, it's not going to last too long because that womb is going to be crying out to bear children and especially, sorry, Man. sons for that husband. Yep. And it's all there. Do you know how much they wanted? What am I talking about? Did Sarah give Hagar to Abraham? Do you women like the idea of your husband sleeping with another woman? Sarah was a holy woman. Was she wise in that event? No. But notice the craving of her heart. Did Rachel ever grab Jacob in the Bible, grab him and say, Give me children else I die. And he said, What do you think I'm in the, in the stead of God for? He's closed up your womb. Look, notice the desperate nature they had. I can't go on. It's all, it's all her role from the law of God. And those things ought to be taught. So that a woman is in her place where God wants her. And if a woman is in the place where God wants her with the very spirit and attitude that can be picked up from reading everything in the law of God about women, she will be the happiest. Right. To the degree that you step outside of that place that God wants a woman, you will be frustrated and unhappy all of your life. And you will make the men around you frustrated and unhappy, and you will live in misery. Amen. I, and amen. The Lord made the woman. I think we ought to follow his rules and instructions for how she ought to live. And I'm not just picking on women tonight. The same thing applies to men. But I was reading from one 
godly training for girls. Loving neighbor as herself as the second law. This is Christian character. The importance of virginity. Should a young girl know that? Oh, we don't talk about things like that anymore. Then you've got a problem in your household. Very much talked about in the Old Testament. The virgins had to wear different clothes than the other girls so that everyone at all times knew everywhere who was a virgin and who wasn't. You say, how do you know that? Go read Second Samuel chapters 9 and 10. Yep. And the tokens of virginity and the whole works. But that's, that's because but we saturate ourselves with the Word of God and we'll think the way God does instead of the way that we think the sanitized Christians of this generation think. I'm not trying to be crude. I want to be biblical. Amen. Graciousness, submission, sobriety. I've got verses behind all of these. Charity, meek and quiet spirit, shamefacedness, a good name, discretion, chaste, keeper at home, good, obedient, prudent, modest, not a false accuser, a teacher, not amazed, reverent, bold, friends, virtuous, good friends, spirit control and rule of her life so that she doesn't lose control of her spirit and get depressed or angry. She hates the odious woman, hates the contentious woman, hates the evil woman, hates the strange woman, and hates the idle woman. That's character. That's taught second. The third category is functional training. You say, what in the word, what, where did you find that in God's speed? No, I didn't. I couldn't find the word functional. I'm giving it to you because it describes her function in life. We have a spiritual walk with God. We have her Christian character lower and less important than number one. Now we have her functional role in life, lower and less important than number two. It's for her to be a great mother and wife and for a man to be a great husband and father. Girls need, just, girls need domestic knowledge and skills. Is this Jonathan Crosby's idea or is this the Word of God? That this functional, absolutely. Where do I get it from? Proverbs 31. You ever read the chapter? It's awesome. Does she have domestic knowledge and skills? <laughs> yes, she does. That was a very accomplished woman. Very. The number one thing that you can know about the virtuous woman is she was hard working. She was up early and up late and working hard in between for her family. She hated the idle woman. Girls need domestic knowledge and skills, feminine knowledge and skills, sexual, sexual knowledge and confidence, reproductive knowledge, artistic ability, romantic ability, infant care, child training, all the functional roles of being a good mother and a good wife. Boys need a whole list of similar things on being good husbands and good fathers, how to train children, how to lead a wife, how to love a wife, how to be romantic, how to keep a marriage fresh and exciting, how to have some etiquette, know how to entertain visitors in a home, how to be leading, how to communicate with a woman. While other Bible passages deal with it, like Proverbs 31 and various places in Proverbs and places in the New Testament, are there places in the New Testament tell me how a wife ought to be? First Timothy chapter 5, I will therefore the younger woman bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. I can go to Titus chapter 2, and there's the same things. I am not outside the word of God. I just don't have time to turn you to every verse because you already know these things. But it's what we need to teach right. and train our children with. There's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to this functional role of a man and a wife, a man and his wife, a whole book of the Bible, the Song of Solomon. Yep. There it is. We've got our spiritual relationship with God, the Christian character that we're, we're to bear to the whole world, 
And then this functional role that we have as a husband and a, and a father or a wife and a mother. Proverbs 31, the Song of Solomon, it's there in the Bible. It's as much scripture as any place. And listen, according to the verse that I read this, to begin, it makes the man of God perfect, truly furnished unto all good works, so that I can go into the Song of Solomon and know that the Most High God believes that a man and his wife ought to be treating each other close to this example. I say close because, wow, what an example. Then we come down to even lower levels. There's a professional category of training. Do you know how much the Bible says about the professional category of training? (laughs) So little, it's amazing. There's different ways that you can get a good job. You can choose academic credentials to get into a profession. You can be a CPA and go become an accountant for a CPA firm. You can get vocational training for a trade. Six weeks, right? Awesome. I remember that day. Fabulous. Six weeks. I, I just know that you wish, you wish you'd have known about it earlier. You'd be retired by now. Or you can use capital and business expertise and have your own business. There's all sorts of ways of doing it. You don't have to line up with the rest of the sheep and get fleeced. There's all sorts of ways of doing it. But remember this. When it comes to professional, the professional component of training, which the world and Satan would like us to get pulled out of its position in fourth place and elevated up to number one. Because remember, we're only going to be happy and proud of our children if they're doctors or lawyers or in some white-collared profession. Only then can we be proud of them. That stinks. Give me a Peter. When he opened his mouth, they they knew he never went to school. The words he learned, he learned on a ship. And sailors have been known forever for their salty speech. Give me Peter, who when the Lord Jesus Christ would perform a miracle on him, would say, hey, would you do that for my cousins too? He fell down at his feet and said, depart from me, for I am a wicked man. Right. I want that. Who cares about where they live? what subdivision they're in, where they're sending their kids to school, or what degree they have. Where is that in the Bible? And I want to remind you about a few things. When you talk about the professional training for your children, it's going to come down to these three things. And it's not going to be where they went to school or what degree they got. God-given ability. God-given opportunities. And the Christian character taught in point two, practiced with God's ability and with God's opportunity. Amen. Do you know what? The education has just been taken out of the loop. Here's, how I, here's what I mean. Go ahead, put your child in school, send him through to the age of 22, 23, 24, depending on how long it takes him, or if he has to get a master's degree to get into that profession. Give me the same 15-year-old. Yeah, why not? 15, 12, 13 take him out let him start flipping burgers at a McDonald's with true Christian character that he's been trained from his from his, from birth. By the time the one guy gets out of school at 23 with a huge debt for school, that 15-year-old will be managing or owning several McDonald's. Right. Or get a trade and be way ahead. Right. There's you don't have and I'm not listen, the Lord does not say how you have to do it and neither am I. I'm just saying there's more than one way to skin this cat. 
Don't get all hung up on the world's idea of worshiping if I don't have doctors and lawyers and I've been a failure as a parent. I don't care what my sons do as long as they do it faithfully and they do it with a contented spirit and they love their wife and they love the Lord their God and they have a peaceful home and they're serving Him with their whole heart and they're training the next generation to love Him also. The Bible is almost completely silent on the matter of professional position because you know what? The Lord knows what I just said, that He gives it all. Matthew Jones, where in the world did you come from with the job you have? The Lord did that. Haven't you heard all his stories? Hasn't it been amazing? Amazing. The Lord did it. How did Joseph get to be second in Egypt? Because he spent all his time in school and did all of his projects and did his homework well? No, because of these words. And this is what we want to pray for our children. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And if we pray for that for our children and tell our children to pray for that and to wait on that, the Lord can be with them. He, don't we sing the song, He's the same God today as He was then? Yes. You know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7? It says that whatever vocation you were in when you were called by the gospel of Jesus Christ, you ought to stay there. Do you know what it says? If you're a servant, go ahead and be a great servant because you're the Lord's freeman. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you're free, you're the Lord's servant. So it doesn't make a bit of difference. That's what the Word of God says. You know what the whole world teaches? That if we taught Christianity everywhere, it would liberate men so they could all be freed from servitude. And what what does the Bible say? Servants, be thankful. Be content. Stay there. Abide in the calling wherewith ye were called. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. After professional component of training, there's a practical component. And that's all the things they don't teach in school that we all need to know. And it's a whole long list. It's amazing what you can get through. What is it now? 13, 17 years of school. And not have spent much time balancing a checkbook. You don't know much about investments. You don't know how the legal system works. You've never been to court. You don't know that Greenville County Council exists. You don't know where it meets. You don't know anything. But you just spent 17 years times 180 days times seven days, seven hours a day, and you didn't learn anything that you got to use for the rest of your life. It's amazing. <laughs> then we come down to what we, we're all welcome to do. And listen, I don't want, I, I want everyone to hear the word of God and to see the emphasis right. and not to hear me, not to be defensive. If you want to teach your children Spanish, it is a terrific idea. Just make sure that it's done at point number six right. and not point number one. It's a great idea. I know lots of places they can go on vacation and maybe speak with the people there. That doesn't matter because that's not the issue today. There's right. no axe to grind. That isn't the issue. I don't want anyone to get defensive. We're a family right now and I'm your father teaching you. And I'm not angry or upset at anyone. But whenever I see this list of six things turned upside down, I get angry. And that's always been the reason I got angry about education. When I see God's order turned like this, upside down, so that they're getting 17 years times 180 days 
times six and a half hours a day of stuff you will never use. Who gives a rip if you know when World War II was fought? And I'm not talking about the 1,316 details that over 17 years of school they want you to memorize. I'm talking about the whole thing itself. What if you didn't even know there had been a World War II? Right. If you had a personal relationship with God and lived a holy and righteous life and lived all the days of that life in the fear of God and trained right. your children to do the same, and if you had Christian character that you know how to... Amen. Where in the world does God care if you know any of that stuff? Show me. Show me. Remember, the entire world believes in this 17-year program of child training. Lenin knew it. Give me your children, and I'll make a very contented communist state. Let me have them when they're five. Let me, in fact, make it a plank of communism that we have compulsory education so that I get every single one of them. And I will so stupefy their minds with the learning of men that they will not have any courage nor ability to believe anything independent of the system and the state, and they will be very willing subjects to bow down and believe what is on the 6 o'clock news instead of opening up the Word of God and standing for truth. And we live in a system that steals our children and has convinced us all that if we don't do it, we're failures as parents. And you know who the real failure is? If we don't have children that love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and love their neighbor as themselves and can function with wonderful families where they love their husband or love their wife and love their children and the next generation is also taught. Isn't that what we want? So that when we pass on, we leave in this earth children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren that love the Lord their God, and we have a godly seed in the earth. It's this that tears me up. Amen. God perpetuates his truth by his ministers to four generations in 2 Timothy 2.2. In Psalm 78, the first eight verses, and in Joel 1, verse 3, parents perpetuate the truth by teaching their children down to four generations. Amen. That should provoke your hearts Amen. with a with ambition to be a godly parent. If it doesn't, there's a New Testament commandment to help. Fathers, bring up your children the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen. That's our commandment. Right. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen. I have a huge project in front of me, with me, at all times. You have one. We have grandchildren coming. That adds to it. It's a pyramid, remember? You want to talk about multi-level marketing? Wow. We've got it. Don't we? Yep. Are you going to work on your downline this week? Isn't that how it's supposed to work? Right. So that when you pass on or living on your yacht, which is in heaven itself in the presence of God, you've got your downline still churning out blessings as by the grace of God you're in heaven, and there's Crosby's and Carnell's and Joneses arriving behind you who have served the Lord their God with all their heart while in earth, on earth. May the Lord be praised, and may he sanctify and multiply this effort to your souls. Amen. Amen.